This message was presented at the GYC 2014 conference at the Cross in Phoenix, Arizona. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Let us pray. Father in heaven, again, God, we are thankful that you've allowed us to be here in this place at this time. We ask that your spirit will come and illuminate our minds with understanding and help us to apply these things to our lives. I pray that the words that come from my mouth will edify, uplift, and strengthen your people. And I know, God, that that is impossible in and of myself. And so I'm asking, God, we're asking for the presence and power of your Holy Spirit even now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, victory over sin, how to overcome addictions. All right? Now, I want to do just a small little recap uh, of the first two presentations. I'm not going to go into much detail about them, but there's one thing in particular that I want to share with you, especially those of us who are here for the very first time. Uh, and those of us who can use a little reminder, all right? We began by talking about addictions and what addictions are, and uh, we gave this definition of addiction that I want to share with you uh, to start our presentation. And we said that addiction is bondage to the rule of a substance, activity, or a state of mind, which then becomes the center of life. That's key, which then becomes the center of life, defending itself from the truth so that even bad consequences don't bring repentance and leading to further estrangement from God. That is the most comprehensive definition for addiction that I have ever come across. And that's why I'm sharing it with you right now. So when it says a substance. That could be anything such as food, it could be alcohol, it could be heroin, it could be crack cocaine, it could be chocolate, it could be sugar, it could be anything, any substance, anything. Or it could be any activity. That activity could be playing soccer, it could be basketball, it could be video games, it could be a variety of things. Any activity or any substance or any state of mind. It could be a mindset of, of negativity, a mindset of, 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 of doubt, of, uh, of insecurity. It could, be, it could be anything that becomes the center of a person's life. Defending itself from the truth so that even bad consequences, be it your health or depletion of finances, don't bring repentance and leading one to further estrangement from God. That is an addiction. The good news is that uh, there is freedom from addiction. You should have said amen. 
Now, 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 uh, as we continue now, as we, and, and this presentation gets into, uh, I want to share with you some practical things as it relates to uh, dealing with addictions or rather overcoming addictions, okay? We'll get into that, but before we get into that, I want to warn you of some strongholds that can prevent us from actually having the victory that Christ has promised, okay? And one of those strongholds is a stronghold of hopelessness. Hopelessness. What do I mean by that? Well, there's a story in John chapter 5, verse 1 through 7. I want you to open your Bibles in John chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. This, 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 this idea, uh, this stronghold of hopelessness uh, is played out in this particular passage of Scripture. John chapter 5, verse 1 through 7. When you have it, would you say amen? All right, John chapter 5. Verse 1 through 7, this is the story of a man who was sitting down by what we know as the pool of Bethesda. It's a man's laying by the pool. And what I find to be amazing about this story is that uh, here you are, here you have a great number of disabled people. I'm at verse 3. A great number of disabled people uh, used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. They're laying around the pool. And one who was there had been an invalid for how long? How long does the text say? 38 years. Here's a man who's been invalid, who's been lame, who hasn't been able to do for himself, who has been handicapped for 38 years. This man has been handicapped longer than most of us here been alive. Now watch this. Watch this. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him a question. Do you want to get well? Do you see that question? It's right there. Do you want to get well? Now, this is, the ama this is, this, this is an amazing story. This is an amazing story because this story, this story illustrates this mentality of hopelessness that one can have when they've been struggling with something for so long. For this man, it is a physical condition. He's an invalid, the Bible says. And for some of us, it could be an addiction that we've been struggling with for a very long time. And Jesus comes to him and Jesus says, sir, do you want to get well? Now, to me, that's a yes or no question. Isn't that right? Do you want to get well? This brother doesn't say yes or no. What does he do? He says, sir. I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. What's the problem with that? It's an, it's an excuse. What else? What's the problem with that? One more time. No one's helping him, right? No one, no, no one isn't helping him, Okay. Maybe it's the lunch. The lunch got you. He has no faith. Okay. One more time. He's given up. Yes, ma'am. 
He didn't know Jesus, all right? All good answers, all good answers. But listen, this is really just plain old common sense stuff, right? This man has been accustomed to being in this position, and he's been accustomed to people not helping him. When Jesus shows up and asks the question, do you want to get well, just like this man, too often we start making excuses about what has been. We're making excuses about, well, I've been struggling with this thing for all this time. And we start making excuses after excuse. Maybe it's you or someone that you know. You know that they need help or you know that you need help. But when someone comes along with the word of God, when someone comes along to try to help you, excuses start coming out. Because it's been there for such a long time. This man had developed or had been bound by the stronghold of hopelessness. Now, what I find to be amazing is that there are several people. There are several people who are laying around the pool of Bethesda. And Jesus comes to this one man. Now, 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 you have to get this picture because in this picture, in this picture, Jesus is actually stepping through people. Excuse me, sir. One second. Hold on. Can you, oh. He's going to this one man who's been there for so long. And I find it amazing that Jesus comes to each one of us personally, individually. And he's asking that same question about our addictions. Do you want to be made And I want to encourage you today to have a resounding yes, Lord. I want to be made well. And I'm going to share with you some some truths that, 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 that we have to believe if we're going to ever experience the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. So the first stronghold is this idea of uh, the stronghold of hopelessness. All right. Don't get caught up in I'm a victim or this is terrible Sorry, old me. Jesus didn't come asking that question. He said, do you want to get well? That's the question that he wants us to answer. All right. So be aware of the stronghold of hopelessness. Here you have this man here. See all those people around. Jesus came specifically to him. And then you have the stronghold of self-help. Now, how could self-help be a stronghold? Anytime, you know, uh, 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 we believe that we can overcome sin on our own power. We are deceiving ourselves. And you see, I, you know, I, I'm that kind of person. I was the kind of person when I came to Christ, you know, I, you could have told me, you know, Jesus wanted me to stand on top of my head for five, for five hours and that would be pleasing to him. Guess what? I'm doing it. That's, that, that's the, it, you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a to-do person. I'm a, I'm a works-oriented individual. Right. Self-discipline that 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 comes uh, that comes easier for me than it does for 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 a lot of people that I know. So so I'm the type of person who says, well, okay, well, you you know what they call, uh, you know, uh, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. That's what I you know, I'm I'm good at that. But when it comes to overcoming addictions, I'm terrible at that. And so uh, so is uh, uh, the rest of humanity. So when, 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 when we try to overcome these things on our own, we find ourselves uh, fulfilling uh, Isaiah 50 and verse 11. Watch this. Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 11. Let's go to that text. Isaiah chapter 50 and verse uh, number 11. 
And when you have it, say amen. Isaiah 50 and verse 11. The Bible says, uh, but now all you who light fires and provide yourselves with flaming torches, go walk in the light of your fires and of the torches you have set ablaze. This is what the Lord, this is what you shall receive from my hand, says God. You will lie down in torment. Why? Because you're trying to do it on your own. Another, another verse uh, uh, more clearly illustrates it. Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 13. Watch this. Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 13. Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 13. Notice what the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse number 13. There you go. Broken cistern. Somebody got it. The Bible says in verse 13, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. In other words, here are the people of God. First of all, they're, they're, they're forsaking God and they're trying, to, they're trying to practice their religion on their own. They're trying to do this thing on their own. And so anytime we find ourselves caught up in believing that we can overcome on our own power, on our own strength, we are deceiving ourselves. And popular psychology or modern science says that, you know, uh, uh, I'm, 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 I don't want to even get into I'm switching presentations now. I really don't want to go back. I say that for, 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 for the presentation after this. But the point I want to make is this. Pop psychology, uh, current, current, current uh, psychology says that, that all we have to do is, you know, if somebody is an, is an alcoholic, just get into a 12-step a program and, and, and if you just work that program, then that program is going to uh, uh, bring you deliverance. It's not programs. Is Jesus. Amen. Amen. In fact, in fact, 12 step programs actually started as a Christian program and secular people started seeing that it was working. They gave credit to the program rather than the power of Christ and took it now and began creating AA programs and 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 they secularized it basically. And so now people are looking for a program to deliver them rather than power of Jesus Christ to deliver them. And as believers, we cannot make that mistake. Would you say amen? amen. So beware of the stronghold of self-help. All right. Now, now I want you to get this. I want you to get this. We experience freedom in Christ when we choose to do what? I want you to say that word. When we choose to do what? When we choose to believe God, then act on the basis of the truth, regardless of our feelings. I need you to get this, folks. I need you to get this. I need you to get this because this is this is key uh, to to experiencing the victory of freedom in Christ. Okay, I'm going to read it one more time. We experience freedom in Christ when we choose to do what everybody believe God and then. Act on the basis of the truth, regardless of our feelings. Now, I ended our last presentation. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me keep going. Let me keep going. Let's talk about believing the truth. Watch this. Jesus says, I am the way, the, and the, who is this? This is Jesus. 
This is Jesus. And then Jesus says these words, John 14, 16. Jesus, then Jesus says, you shall know the and the will set you. Oh, oh, watch this. Watch this. If the son sets you, you are free indeed. Now, I want you to follow. I want you to follow this logic with me. Follow this train of thought with me that Jesus is laying down for his people. OK, he says, he says, he says, look, I am the way, the truth and the life. You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. If the son sets you free, then you are really free. Free indeed. OK, not you will become free. Not someday in the future. Not when I return for the second coming. But you are free Indeed. Now, then Galatians says in Galatians chapter five and verse one, the Bible says it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Now, watch this. Watch this. Watch this. If 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 the truth will set us free, that means that the enemy is going to use a what? A lie to keep us what? In bondage. Oh, it's, 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 going, it's going to hit you in one second. It's going to hit you in one second. Hear me now. If the truth will make us free, then the enemy has to create lies in order to keep us in bondage. Now, now watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. It is often easier to read a promise and claim it to hear a command from the word of God and seek to obey it, then hear the truth and believe it. We're going to break that down. I ended this thing on, you know, early this morning. I said, and let me do it again. Maybe we have some new people in here. All right. I said, uh, how many of us here are sinners? Raise your hand. All hands go up, right? My hand go up too, right? How many of us here are saints? Not as many hands go up. Well, when I read scripture, I see over and over and over and over again, Paul addressing the people he are writing to as saints. Dear saints. Now, of course, he says, yes, I, I, uh, he, he calls himself uh, the chief among sinners. But I see Paul referring to us in our new position in Christ as saints of God. Now, I might because I don't feel like a saint. Because I don't because because of my feelings right now, because I don't feel like a conqueror, it doesn't mean that I'm not more than a conqueror. See, it's easy for me to see a promise and say, I'm going to claim that promise. My God shall supply all of my needs according to my riches and glory. And God knows that I need money to get in school, so I'm going to claim that promise. It's easy for me to read the scripture, and the scripture says that I ought to return a faithful tithe unto the Lord. The, the scripture says uh, that I ought to obey my, uh, honor my father and my mother, that I should not murder or commit adultery. And, and it's easy for me to see those things and, 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 and seek to obey those commands. 
But it's something about God speaking truth and calling us things that we are not presently experiencing or, or not feeling, but yet still to believe them. So, for example, for example, this young man is a slave. Uh, it's a picture of someone in, in, in slavery. Now, 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 watch this. Watch this. This young man is a slave, and he's, he's grown up as a slave. He's a kid. He's grown up as a slave. Uh, uh, his, his, his mother is a slave. His father is a slave. His, his grandfather was a slave. Uh, his great-grandfather was a slave. This young man was born into slavery. All right? In the 1800s, he's born into slavery. Now, 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 his entire life, all he's known is slavery. December 18, 1865. The Emancipation Proclamation. Watch this. How many slaves, that, that was December 18. How many slaves were there on December 19? Somebody said zero. Now, he is absolutely correct. However, while there was a declaration by someone of the highest authority who could declare something of such nature, on December 19th, there were still people who were living as slaves. In fact, let me read, let me read, let me read to you. Let me read something to you. Slavery in the United States was abolished by the 13th Amendment on December 18, 1865. How many slaves were there on December 19th? In reality, none. But many still lived like slaves. Why is that? Many did because they never learned the truth. They never learned the truth. Others knew it and even believed that they were free, but chose to live as they had always been taught. Several plantation owners were devastated by the Emancipation Proclamation. We're ruined, they said. Slavery has been abolished. We've lost the battle to keep our slaves, but their chief spokesman slyly responded, not necessarily. How is that? As long as these people think they're still slaves, the Emancipation Proclamation will have no practical effect. We don't have a legal right over them anymore, but many of them do not know it. Keep your slaves from learning the truth and your control and your and your control over them will not even be challenged. Someone says one cotton, one cotton farmer says, but but what if the news spreads? Don't panic. We have another bullet in our gun. We may not be able to keep them from hearing the news. But we can still keep them from understanding it. They don't call me the father of lies for nothing. We still have the potential to deceive the whole world. Just tell them that they misunderstood the 13th Amendment. 
Tell them they are going to be free, not that they are free already. The truth they heard is just positional truth, not actual truth. Someday they may receive the benefits, but not now. Are you seeing the parallels? There was an emancipation proclamation that took place from the courts of heaven that declared that Jesus Christ was slain before the foundation of the world. And that reality came forth at the cross where, 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 where Christ died for the sins of humanity, doing what? Setting us free from the stronghold of sin. Now, because I've been set free, along with that comes a new identity in Christ. We'll get to that. But what is very difficult for most Christians to believe is this new identity comes with some new titles that many of us struggle believing are true about us. I'll show you in in just a second. So you have some people who just who still remain in slavery. Watch this. Excuses are valueless. Victory is yours. Excuses are valueless. All circumstances, all appetites and passions are to be servants of the God fearing man, not rulers over them. Why? Because because we have a new rule and reign in our lives through the power of Jesus Christ. The Christian is not to be enslaved by any hereditary or cultivated habits or tendencies. That's not my words. That's spiritual prophecy. First, uh, it's, it, let, me see, let me go here. Volume one, mind, character, personality, page 145. Here's another one. It is it, it, in our own strength. It is impossible for us to deny the clamors of our fallen nature, which which is why it became necessary for Christ to come and to die for our sins and take our sins and our addictions upon himself. Giving us now a new nature that no longer is under the rule and reign of the, the power of sin. Now, the cross has made our victory, the cross made victory our new reality. What do you mean by that? Well, according to Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4 and 6, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. What does that mean with my addictions? That means that anything that I struggle with, whether it's pornography, whether it's uh, an addiction to food, whether it's an addiction to sports or music or whatever it may be, those things were laid on Jesus for my sake. Amen. So I no longer I'm I'm, I'm no longer I'm no longer uh, bound by the chains of my addiction because because of this, I have been set. I have been set free. The Bible says the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. The beautiful uh, my addictions were taken care of even before I realized I had addictions. Before the struggle ever even came, I was already set free. 
You were already delivered before you needed to be delivered. The question becomes, the question becomes, uh, let's, let's keep going. Colossians 2, 13 to 15. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away. He's taken my pornography away. He's taken my drug addiction away. He's taken my food addiction away. He's taken all these things away. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Amen. Now, watch this. Because of this, because of this, because of this, I have a new identity in Christ. Meaning, meaning I am accepted in Christ. I am significant in Christ. I am secure in Christ. Well, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? I'm getting, I'm getting ready to show you now what that new identity looks like. And this is where I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about now. Taking, taking not just the promises of God, taking not just the commands of God, but taking the truths from God and believing them for my life. Believing them for my life. So, for example, so, for example, when, 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 when you, anybody familiar with this guy right here? Y'all say Mario, but I, the M stands for missionary. Come on, say amen. amen. <laughs> Had to baptize Mario, all right? So, 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 so I, 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 I used to play this game called Mario, Super Mario, when I was growing up as a kid. You know, I like to play video games when I, as a kid or whatever. Uh, I haven't played video games in about 12 years, you know, like since I was 12 years old. Anyway, so, so, so Mario, the, the thing about Mario that I, that, that I found fascinating uh, is that ref, re, reflecting on Mario uh, was the fact that when you look at him, he's just Mario. Are you with me? He's just Mario, okay? But there were things that they put inside the game that turned Mario into Super Mario. Y'all not listening to <laughs> There are things that they put inside the game that made Mario become Super Mario. They put things that if he would just access these things, then all of, the, all of those little, little funny-looking things that are crawling towards him as he's going through the game of life, he can crush them. He no longer has to try to jump over them to avoid them. No, he can attack them head on. Why? Because he's no longer just Mario, but he is Super Mario. Let me give you some help. Let me give you some help. So, so, so you had the mushroom, right? When Mario had the mushroom, he no longer looked small Mario, but he's grown up now. Right. He can walk with a little bit more confidence now and he can he can he, he can face these things head on. Not only that, but they had this little star in there. Right. And, 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 and oh, man, when he got the star. He was just un, he was just unstoppable. <laughs> he not running around stuff. He running through stuff. They going in the opposite direction of him. But then that was another one. That was another one that I really, really like. That I really, really like. I always want to, when I'm playing the game, I always want to get this little piece right here because, man, this is going to make me. Uh, now I'm really in attack mode. Okay? Well, uh, Mario, Mario got this, this, this firepower. 
And so now, now when he comes toward, the, when, when the enemy coming, is coming toward him, he's, he's not running the other direction. He's firing back at him. When I read my Bible in Acts chapter one, or in Acts chapter two, rather, uh, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit descended on their heads like in tongues of fire. So first of all, as a believer, once I commit my life to Jesus Christ, I am now filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on, say amen. amen. And now, 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 not only do I, do I have the Holy Spirit, but I'm armed now with the word of God. And so when it comes to when it comes to the enemy now, I'm submitting to God and I'm also resisting the devil. I'm doing both. And the way that I build my resistance is through believing what God says about me and spitting it back at or shooting it back at. You know, that, that's what the, that's what that's what Jesus was doing when the devil was tempting him in the wilderness. Every time the devil throws something at Jesus, Jesus throwing something right back at him. Thus, it is written. Now, the reason why many Christians suffer from this defeated mindset or this defeated attitude is because we are not believing and claiming the things that God has said about us. It was hard to get us to say, I'm a, I'm a saint. That, I'm not making that up. That's what the scripture says. Let me tell you what else the scripture says. The scripture also says, the scripture also says that I am God's child. The devil's lie is, no, you're not. Look at you. You're sinning. You're still stuck on that same old thing. You've been struggling with that since you came to Jesus. You're not a real Christian. You're not a real child of God. Regardless of how I feel, the Bible says, since I've come to Christ, I am a child of God. Period. Not when I feel good. Not when I'm giving Bible studies, I'm a child of God. Only then. Are you hearing me? But I'm a child of God. The Bible says I am Christ's friend. So why am I afraid to go to him? Why am I afraid to talk to him when I mess up, when I sin? The Bible says if any man does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. The Bible also says a part of my new identity is I have been justified. Just if I never sinned. So why am I hesitating to go into communion with God when I've, when I've made a mistake, when I've fallen? If he looks at me and says that I've been justified, I am a saint. First Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17. That's what the Bible says. That's my new identity in Christ. But I don't feel like a saint pastor because I've been, you know, I've been falling into this same old sin. Listen, I understand. Confess and repent. But you're still a saint. Some of y'all saying, no, I ain't. I'm an ain't. I'm not a saint. No, you're a saint. That's what the Bible says about you. The Bible also says, the Bible also says that I am complete in Christ. A lot of times uh, people turn to addictions. I know I used to turn to addictions because I felt like uh, I'm, 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 I'm incomplete. This is, this, is, this is my security. This makes me feel uh, whole. This makes me feel good about myself. The Bible says that I am complete in Jesus Christ. I have been redeemed. Let me go back. I have been redeemed. Uh, too far ahead. Sorry about that. Let's go. Come on. One, two. 
Mario, all right. I have been bought with the price, and I belong to God. I, th- I forgot to put the text down there. First uh, Corinthians chapter uh, three, verse sixteen through twenty. Might want to double check that. 1 chapter three, verse sixteen through twenty. All right, let's keep going. I'm secure in Christ. What do you mean by you being secure in Christ? I am free from condemnation. Oh, that's a big one right there because, you know, when you sin, when I sin, you know, we start condemning ourselves. The enemy help us, help us out with that as well. We, we're beating ourselves up and we're just feeling all terrible. I'm in Christ. The Bible says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, 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 when, 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 when we, when we, and this is again in my in my in another presentation, but uh, when we come to Christ, make that decision to follow Jesus. When you've lived a lifestyle that is totally dependent upon yourself, whether that whether that looked like you turn into some type of addiction, whether it's drugs or alcohol or or sex or or whatever, uh, we 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 have habit patterns in our life. We've developed these habits over the course of years and years and years and years and years. And when we come to Jesus, what is broken is the power of sin is broken, but the stains of sin remain. And it takes the work of a lifetime, Ellen White says, for those things to be removed. And we won't be fully transformed until the second coming of Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean that we have to give in to sin all the time. But what it does mean is that we are prone to sin. Therefore, uh, mistakes uh, are prone to happen. But I'm not going to, you know, I've gotten to this point in my life, and, I, and I'm, just being, I'm just being totally blunt with you guys, totally honest with you guys. And, uh, you know, I've gotten to the point in my life where when I make a mistake, when I sin against God, I'm disappointed in myself for about five seconds. And then I'm back at the feet of Jesus, and I'm, and I'm okay. Now, I used to beat myself up. But I've come to understand God is not there trying to beat me up. He knows my frame. He knows your frame. He knows that that addiction has been, you've been wrestling with that thing for a very long time. I'm not talking about making excuses for sin. I'm not talking about taking sin lightly. What I'm talking about is understanding my new identity in Christ. So stop beating yourself up. Stop acting like a victim. And remember that you are now in Jesus. And there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The woman, the woman that they brought to the, uh, uh, the woman that they brought uh, to Jesus, she had sinned. She was guilty. Did Jesus condemn her? No, he did not. So stop condemning yourself. Because you're in Christ. That's if you're in Christ. 
Let's keep going. Not only am I secure in Christ, but I am assured that all things work together for good, even though it doesn't look like it, even though it doesn't feel like it. The scripture says that all things work together for good. Even even the struggles with my addiction, God is still going to use that thing to work for some good. How does that happen? I don't know, but I believe it. Personally, I believe it to be real because in, the, in, in, in my personal struggles, it allows me in my personal struggles and my victories. Come on, say amen for some victories. Uh, in my victories, I've been able to help other people to overcome in their victories, uh, in their struggles as well. I am free from any condemning charges against me. Romans chapter 8, verse 33 and verse 34. I cannot be separated from the love of God. Not even my addiction can separate me from the love of God. Oh, y'all, this is truth that you have to believe. It's not a command. You understand what I'm saying? It's not a command. It's not a promise. It's truth that I want you to believe. Regardless of how you might feel. I am more. Now, <laughs> this is this is amazing. The Bible could have said that you are a conqueror in Christ. Didn't stop there. You are more. How you be more than a conqueror? Like what, what, what does that look like? Not just a conqueror, but I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. These are, these are, uh, 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 this is what we mean by being secure in Christ. I am born of God and the evil one cannot touch me. See, 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 man, Christians, 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 my fellow believers in Christ. You know, I've gotten to the point, I'm getting to the point. I'm not there yet. I'm getting to the point where, where when I think about the devil, uh, I, 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 want, I think about the devil being somebody who's afraid of me because of who I am in Christ. I am born of God and the evil one cannot touch me. Now, Ellen White says that when the apostle Peter, the apostle Paul, when these brothers got up, the devil would be afraid when they came on the scene. He trembled. He's scared. Why is he scared? They knew who they were in Christ. They were dependent. They were sold out for Jesus. To Jesus. I believe that when we start, when we start believing what the scripture says about us and our relationship and our identity in Christ, it will instill this level of confidence, not in ourselves, but in who he is and what he can do. When, 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 when Jesus stepped on the scene, when Jesus stepped on the scene, the devil, the devil had to flee. The devil was afraid. I'm not telling you to be arrogant. I'm not telling you to be a a cocky person. I'm talking about you being confident in the one who has set you free. And when we walk with that confidence, when we walk with that boldness, we will see, I mean, uh, people will see it and desire to know who it is that has set you free. And that becomes an opportunity to share Christ with them. We're, 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 We're wrapping this up right now. I got about five minutes left. Uh, I am significant in Christ. I am the light of the world. I am the, I am the salt and light of the earth. That's what Jesus said about you. I am a branch of the true vine. 
I have been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. I am a personal witness of Christ. I am God's temple. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So whatever, 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 whatever the addiction is, whatever the struggle is, uh, if I if 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 we don't have this distorted image of God, this messed up view of God uh, and, and, and our identity uh, is not mistaken, but we rightly understand our new position in Christ. It, it leads to living a victorious life. Now, to bring this thing to a close, I want to uh, share with you some, some, some steps to freedom in Christ. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what the person that you know uh, is struggling with or somebody, a friend, family, relative, and you want to share this information with them. Or maybe it could be for yourself. You're trying to enrich your own life and your relationship with Christ. When it comes to overcoming a particular sin or problem or addiction, rather, uh, first of all, you have to admit that you have a what, everybody? You got to admit you have a problem. And that's usually the hardest part. Admitting that you have a problem. That's the first thing. David says, Lord, I acknowledge my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. He first had to acknowledge his sin. He had to acknowledge his problem. And if you're ever going to overcome whatever that thing is that you're struggling with, you have to recognize and admit that it is a problem. That's the first thing. The second thing, the second thing that one must do is acknowledge that we are powerless. There's a story in the Bible that really illustrates this well. Remember the story where the man came to Jesus because his son was sick and about to die. And he said, Jesus, if you can heal my son. And Jesus was like. If I can, only if you believe. The man said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. You got to get to that point. You know, Lord, I, I, I believe that it's possible, God, but man, Lord, I need you to help my unbelief. I am not, I, I, I don't have it within me, God, to believe the way that you want me to believe. So help me, God. Help my unbelief. Lord, I'm powerless when it comes to believing how you want me to believe. I can't overcome this thing by myself. I can't do it on my own. I need outside help. I need divine power. You got to admit that you are powerless. Acknowledge that you are powerless. The second thing is you have to seek God's help. There's no way in the world that any of us can overcome any particular sin in our lives without the help of God. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added to you, including the victory over whatever it is that you find yourself dealing with. So the, first, second, the third thing is seek God's, seek God's help. Number four, uh, seek help from others. There are people who are trained to actually help folk overcome various uh, disease, I mean, uh, the various addictions, be it alcohol, be it pornography, uh, be it uh, whatever it is. There are people out there, uh, whether it's someone in your church, whether it's your pastor, uh, whether it's a counselor at school, whether it's a principal, teacher, educator, parents, uh, you want to seek help. The Bible says in the multitude of counsel, there is wisdom. 
There is safety. It says that as well. Another, another proverb says that as well. All right. So I want to encourage you. Uh, if you're struggling with a particular addiction, I remember, you know, when I was in college, uh, you know, I, I shared my I share my story in part two of these presentations of uh, my life before Christ. I didn't grow up a Christian or didn't grow up in the church. Uh, and I talk about some of the issues, some of the things that I struggled with. And one of them was pornography. After I gave my life to Jesus, I lived a life of fornication prior to that. So when I came to Jesus, um, um, I, you know, I was I was free from. From 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 practicing fornication in the way that, you know, you understand what I'm saying. Uh, but I began to struggle uh, with pornography as a young person. And one of the things that really helped me out a whole lot was I started going to counseling. Uh, you know, people think when you go to counseling, I mean, you're crazy. Uh, well, everybody crazy a little bit, but <laughs> but but I needed help. I knew I needed help. And so I would go to a, a Christian counselor. Uh, somebody who was a Seventh-day Adventist Christian counselor, and they really would help me talk through uh, my issues and help me to understand that, um, you know, I wasn't crazy per se, uh, and that it was a real struggle, but that, there was po- that, that, that freedom in Christ was possible. And so I learned some of these things that I'm sharing with you right now from seeking help, whether that help is coming from talking to a person or reading books about it and so on and so forth. Uh, so I would encourage you to seek help from, from others for your, for your addiction. Reject, uh, reject addictive thoughts. Okay, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5, that we are to, uh, that we are to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Now, what does that look like? Well, 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 for me, that looks like if I am, can I just keep it real with y'all? Like I said, you know, you probably missed a couple of my presentations before, but I, I'm, I'm going to keep it real with you. I'm going to be honest with you 100%. So let me just tell you this story real quick, all right? Then we're going wrap to wrap it up. So for me, that look, when, taking every thought captain. So for me, that looks like if I'm, if I'm shopping, if I'm grocery shopping, okay? If I'm, I'm grocery shopping and I'm, I'm looking for the best tofu in the store, right? I'm, and I'm in, a, I'm in a healthy aisle. I'm trying to get my, uh, uh, my whole foods and so on and so forth. And I'm in, I'm in whole foods. or I'm in uh, 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 Myers. They have Myers where I live at. Okay. And, 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 and there could be a, a very attractive woman who is dressed very immodestly. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay. Now, I'm not even trying to look, but I, as, I, as I hold up this, this batch of lettuce, and I'm examining this lettuce. Just out of the peripheral view of my eye, I see this attractive person who is immodestly dressed. I have a choice to make now. I'm trying to help somebody. I have a choice to make. I can either stare or I can turn my head. After I turn my head, the devil is not going to stop. The thought of turning my head back to re-examine the lettuce. <laughs> That's how it comes, though. Man, you need to make sure that that, that lettuce is right, man. Turn that lettuce back around again. <laughs> That's how it comes, though. He's not, he not just going to leave you at, hey, you should turn around and look. No, 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 no. You need to examine the lettuce again. I have a choice to make. Am I going to, am I going to, 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 to uh, 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 turn and look again? Or am I going to now, now, now I have to be intentional. Now I have to start singing songs, uh, 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 how great thou art. I'm, I got to break out in a hymn or something. 
Or I need to start quoting these scriptures. I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I'm telling y'all real deal. This happens to me. Furthermore, furthermore, I need to grab that lettuce and get on out of there. <laughs> and I'm going to another aisle. I, don't even, I, I might not even be looking for nothing on that aisle, but I'm going away from this. The Bible says flee fornication. So when we talk about abstaining from addictive thoughts, whatever that addiction is, the enemy is always going to try to throw, throw, throw thoughts your way. Uh, he's going to try to put things in your, in, in your face. You know, you could be riding down the street. I'm, can I talk to you guys? Uh, it, it happens. It, you know, they, they throw this stuff at us more so than anybody else. But, but I'm riding down the street and, and, and just a billboard. I'm just looking at directions where I'm kind of going. And boom, there's a billboard right there. And there go another interesting scenario. I have to make a choice. Am I going to take this thought captive? I mean, I'm talking to myself all the time. I rebuke that in the name. I'm telling myself, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you so much, God, for giving me victory over that. I'm not even worried about that anymore. I'm thinking about something else right now. Listen, overcoming, overcoming, and in, in, in our overcoming now, Christ has already broken the power of sin, which makes it possible for us to overcome. Okay? But you have a part to play in choosing Every single day and every moment of temptation, you have to make a choice. He's not going to choose for you. You have to make a choice. So that's what taking thoughts captive look like. All right. Speak God's truth to yourself. I mean, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. What does that mean? That means that what I speak has the ability to produce life or death in terms of uh, my thought process, especially. Okay, so so uh, that's why I think it's important to memorize scripture. And speak the truth of God's word into your life, claiming some of these very things of who God has called us to be. So even if I sin, uh, I know that I have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ. You understand what I'm saying? If I confess my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all of my unrighteousness. Okay, if I have these things lodged in my mind when I am tempted, I have some to call upon to speak life where the enemy is trying to produce death. Last but not least, intervention. Proverbs 11, verse 4, another text that deals with the same text that deals with uh, the multitude of counsel, their safety. Listen, uh, this is a practice that, you know, when, when, when you, when someone that you love, you know that they are suffering and they're going through it with an addiction. They may not know it. They might not realize it. What you do is you, uh, you prayerfully collect everyone who cares about this person. It could be their employer. It could be their employee. It could be their, their children, their spouse, family, friends, etc. And you go and you sit them down and you don't tell them about it. You, get, you go to them when, when they're sober. Uh, you don't tell them about it, that, you, that you're doing this, but you, you sit them down and you just pour out to them how their sin or how their addiction is hurting your life and the people around them. They call that intervention. Maybe you need to have that done in your life or maybe you need to do that with someone. I don't know, but I hope that the things that we've shared here today will help you to realize the truth that has already occurred in Christ setting you free. May God bless you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the time that we've been able to spend together. 
I pray that your people have been blessed and encouraged. I pray that you will continue to lead and guide us, Lord, on this journey. We know that sanctification is the work of a lifetime. But, Lord, you have already, even before, even before the foundation of the world, you set us free from the bondage of sin and our addictions, God. And I pray that we will walk accordingly. I ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody who believes said amen. This message was recorded at the GYC 2014 conference at The Cross in Phoenix, Arizona. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Dot org.